right. My goodness, thank you for showing up again, even after all that on Sunday. Um, we're so happy to be here. And I just got to ask, I just got to ask something, okay? How does it feel to go to the best church in Texas? That's what I got to know. You guys are lively tonight. I like it. I like it. I like it. Well, my goodness, we have enjoyed this thoroughly, and this building is just gorgeous. I'm telling you, you guys have worked hard, and it shows, and and I know that uh, your pastor appreciates that, and I'm just telling you, I'm going to just have dreams at night about what I want to do at home after seeing some things that you've done in your building. It's just beautiful, and of course, we honor your pastor and pastor's wife tonight, and your bishop and his wife tonight. know that elder brother Gilbert had the foresight and the burden to build this building and it's amazing and you, you know you you drive up and you see this lawn and it's just up on this hill and it's just like Whoa! you know it's just so pretty and and um, what what an honor it is to be here so we're grateful um, you know we haven't known the Gilberts very long we've met them in passing before but we got to know them a little bit on Sunday and I hope that continues. But, you know, they're, they're super cool. You know, they're talented and all that. We know that. They look cool. They got it all together and all that. And the building's awesome. But the thing about them that has uh, impressed me the most is the way they talk about you people. Did you know they talk about you people? They did. I mean, all afternoon. All good things. All good things. It's a wonderful thing to be in a place where your heart is and where your people are your heart, and that just comes through them. And I hope that you understand that, and I hope that you know that, that they love you very much. And that is what has impressed me the most. The building is great, but the love for people that I feel here is just incredible, and I'm just so grateful to be here. Um, again, thank you for coming back, even after all of that on Sunday. Now, I know I mentioned this to students on Sunday, like, hang with us. I know some of that was boring, and it was like, yeah, this doesn't apply to us. So tonight, we're going to try to do a little bit better, okay? It's for everybody, okay? It's for everybody, but we really put this one together, um, making sure you're not bored, okay? So don't tell me if you are afterwards, but um, um, we, we're, we're just um, going to do our best tonight, and we're going to do it a little bit differently. He's going to talk for a little bit. I'm going to sit, and then I'm going to talk, and then he's going to wrap us up. Sounds good. All right. All right, I'm going to tell you guys how to be a superhero, all right? You know, superheroes are a big deal lately. You know, all the, all the media and all the stuff about a superhero. So, I mean, a superhero is the one that they, they stop uh, super villains with their superpower. Um, so you have all kinds of different uh, superheroes. You have superheroes like Batman. And uh, I remember um, my, my son and I have had this discussion about you know, who is the better superhero? And he likes Batman. I'm like, Batman has zero superpowers. He's just a really rich guy that's got some really cool gadgets, but he lives in a cave with, I mean, it's just a, he's just a weird guy, all right? So, I mean, he's a cool guy, I guess, but he doesn't, he's not really a superhero. To me, the superhero of all superheroes is Superman. I mean, the guy can do everything. He can fly. He can, he's got a, a laser vision. He's got, I mean, so Superman, to me, is the, the the best superhero? But doesn't Superman wear his underwear on the outside of his pants? That's weird. I'm going Batman. I'm going I Batman. Mean, anyway, 
There's other guys like the Hulk, Wonder Woman, Captain America, Supergirl, Iron Man, and the list goes on and on. But I found one superhero that was really interesting. His name was is Bouncing Boy, and uh, he made his comic book debut. There he is. He made his comic book debut in 1961 after he accidentally drank an experimental super plastic formula. He thought it was pop, so he took a drink. This is his superpower. He gained the ability to inflate his body like a ball and bounce around without injury. That's it. There's Bouncing Boy. Now you know why they don't make movies and cartoons about Bouncing Boy. But he is still listed as a superhero. Now, even in your Bible, there are superheroes. People that we've read about, people I know that you've heard about in Sunday school. You know, David, little young David standing in front of a giant, a nine-foot muscled-up giant warrior, and David takes him out. That is superhero-type stuff. Esther going to, to, to the throne room and, and before the king, even her own life at danger, but yet she saved the entire race of her people. Moses leading millions of Israelites to the promised land, and he's sitting there with his staff in front of a Red Sea, and he waves his staff over the waters, and the Red Sea splits. I mean, that's like superhero-type stuff. Daniel being thrown into a, a den of hungry lions. Um, i got to tell you this story. One time I was attacked by a lion, and, and my wife will tell you, One time I was attacked by a lion. <laughs> My wife will tell you that it, is, it was a baby lion. It was not a baby lion. It was a teenage lion. We went to Animal Park somewhere in Oklahoma, and you got to pay a little extra money to go in there and pet these lions. And I started roughhousing with this lion like it was a dog, you know, just kind of roughing around with it, slapping around a little bit, playing around with it. Well, when I turned my back, I felt a paw on each side of my leg, and it sunk its teeth into the back of my leg. And the crazy guy there, he's like, yeah, be careful. Those teeth are sharp. I'm like, yeah. My shoe's filling up with the blood. You don't have to tell me the teeth are sharp. So I have an experience with being attacked by lions. But here is Daniel being thrown into a den of hungry lions, and yet not a scratch on him. Three Hebrew young men being thrown into a fiery furnace so hot that the guys that threw them in died. And yet, they walked out unharmed. And I could go on and on about superheroes found in your Bible. But let me tell you what the problem is sometimes when we read Scripture. We read it almost like a comic book. We read it like these amazing things were done by people and we assume somehow they are superhumans or they have superpowers or they're just superheroes. And we read about their lives and we read about their passion for God and we assume there's no way that us, just ordinary, regular, plain people, could ever do amazing things like that. We read about these amazing people and the amazing things that they accomplished. But I want you to understand that they were just ordinary people like me and like you. And the Word of God is not a comic book. These are real stories about real people that live in a real world that was inspired by a real, live God. I love that the Scriptures 
Don't just give us the highlights. Uh, I love the scriptures, not just a social media of people's lives, but it gives us the good, the bad, and the ugly. It gives us everything. It gives us an insight to their doubts and their worries and their fears. They were people just like us. But the thing about it is when these stories were taking place, these characters didn't know that they were superheroes. They didn't know that their stories would be told for generations to come. They didn't know exactly what was happening in their life. They were just living their life having confidence in the one true God who can do anything if we have our faith in him. The opportunities are limitless with God. The opportunities are, are boundless. And, and we can be the heroes of the faith in our day. We can be the heroes of faith in 2023. I want you to look at the person sitting next to you and said, you just might be sitting next to a superhero. Now, if somebody's got their underwear on the outside, <laughs> we, need, we need security. They're not a superhero. So how do you know? What's it take to be a superhero for God in 2023? What's it, what's it take to have faith that is going to be demonstrated in, for generations to come? How do you know when you can measure up to those characters and those people that we read about in Scripture? We're here to help. How to be a superhero. I'm going to start us out. Number one. Be a nobody. Be a nobody. Hebrews 11, if you know anything about it, it's the faith chapter. It's like the hall of fame of the Bible. It tells us all the wonderful people and all the wonderful things they've done. And one of the people in there is a guy named Abraham. And Abraham, to me, was a guy that you could look at and say, well, we know a lot about him. But in his day, he was probably a nobody. Now, he loved God, and he followed God. Even when it didn't make sense, he was willing to do whatever God asked him. But living for God was not easy for Abraham. Perhaps the toughest challenge is that Abraham's own father did not believe in the one true God. The Bible tells us that Abraham was raised in a home where they worshipped idols. They didn't bring Abraham to church like, like your parents bring you to church. They, they, they would set up a, a stone or a wooden statue, and they would begin to praise that thing. They would begin to say, this is the, 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 the God that brought us food. This is the God that gives us health. And so Abraham was raised in that environment, and there is no telling what he witnessed and what he experienced and the lies that were told to him. Yet he overcame all of that and became a superhero. When I was two years old, my dad left me, my mom, and my sister, and he went to California. And we were essentially homeless. We lived just anywhere we could, uh, and, and thanks to the generosity of uh, family friends and, and family members and sometimes even complete strangers, we survived. He came back a couple of years later, and of course, I was just a little kid and excited to have my dad back with me, but I was too little to know that probably wasn't the best for me. My dad would steal and lie and go to jail, lose his job, get out of jail, and only to repeat the cycle over and over again. 
We were extremely poor, moving from one rundown motel to the next. And all of that disorder and all that chaos is, is hard for a five-year-old kid to comprehend. There's nothing in my life that was stable. There was nothing in my life that was secure. I remember in our, our small little trailer, we moved into a small little trailer, and my dad would have his friends over, and they'd begin to drink, and, and things would get out of hand. And I remember fist fights happening in our living room. I remember them carrying people out of our home that had been beaten unconscious. All of this going on. Times our electricity would be shut off. Our, our, our gas would be shut off. The water would be shut off. Throughout my life, my dad continued to steal. Even at an early age, I knew my dad was a thief. Can you imagine being raised, and, and, and maybe you don't find yourself here, and, and, and hopefully not, but, but if somebody came up to you and said, hey, you remind me of your dad. Can you imagine going through life afraid that one day somebody's going to come up to you and say, hey, you remind me of your dad. I lived in a very small town, about 500 people. There were always whispers. Everybody knew that my dad was worthless. He went from drinking to buying drugs and using drugs. And I remember many times as a 16, 17-year-old kid having to physically kick my dad out of the house and then go to school and try to concentrate on, on uh, passing a test or studying history or doing math. And then at 19 years old, one of my best friends invited me to church. Now listen, I wish I could stand before you and say that my motives were pure. <laughs> she said, if you want to go on a date, we gotta, you got to start coming to church. I said, what time's church start? <laughs> now listen, it kind of threw me for a loop because, I mean, here was the best-looking guy in school. And she's the one tapping the brakes. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> so I show up to church, 19 years old. Never. I've been to church maybe four or five times in my life, anywhere. There was a church in town that used to do a Six Flags trip every year. And so I would show up the Sunday before the Six Flags trip, go on the Six Flags trip, and like, peace out, see y'all next year. That was the limit of my church experience. So I walk into this church. And I felt something I'd never felt before. The presence of God. And the pastor preached. And I went to the altar. And I repented of my sins. I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And they started talking to me about baptism. I'm like, sure, whatever. Whatever I need to do. And so somebody went out into their car. And they got an old greasy coveralls. They didn't have baptistry robes. Nice baptistry robes back then. And these coveralls hit me about right here. I was like wearing capri pants before they were cool. <laughs> And I got baptized in the name of Jesus in those greasy coveralls. And I walked into that church, and I, I had all these labels on me, like you're, you're worthless, and you have a drug-addicted father, and you're not good enough. But as that preacher preached, and I went to that altar, I felt like I, I heard the word of the Lord. And he said, well, who told you these things? Who told you you were worthless? Who told you you weren't good enough? Maybe you're raised or being raised in an environment worse than mine. Hopefully it's better than mine. Or maybe you have generations and generations of apostolic heritage. But the truth is, 
I'm proof and Abraham is proof that God can use anybody. And if you feel like a nobody, <laughs> that's all right because God is in the business of making heroes out of nobodies. All right. You might be a shero or a hero if you have a little bit of common sense and you are not afraid to use it. Now, this one may not seem quite as spiritual about as what Micah just, just preached to us, but I promise you it is just as important. You see, we told you that God uses ordinary nobodies to do extraordinary things all the time, just like Abraham, just like my husband. But nobody does extraordinary things every single day. Okay? None of us. God may very well open a door for you to travel to the backside of Africa and discover a whole tribe of people and pray them all through to the Holy Ghost. Can God do that? Absolutely. But what are you doing right now? What are you doing, students, in your schools? What are you doing, mom and dad, in your neighborhood, in your family, and in everyday life that is going to get you to the place where God is calling you? What are you doing right now with what he has given you? Because your answer to that question will determine the next level in which he wants to take you. The book of 2 Samuel records an account that happened in a city called Abel Beth Macaw. It was a time of war and unrest, and everybody was out to take over King David's throne. So what King David does, he, he's got these goons, right? They're kind of like the mafia, and, and he sends them out, and their job is to keep things rocking along and to make sure that King David stays in power. It was just a, a bloody, nasty kind of business, but those were the times. And one of the guys that was trying to rise up against the king, his name was Sheba, and he was hiding in this city called Abel Beth Macaw. So David sends one of his goons, his name was Joab, along with his whole entire army to kill Sheba. And they figure out where he is, and, and they surround the city, they surround the city wall, and they start planning their attack. And, and they've got cannons, and they've got arrows, and they've got their spears, and they're building these ladders so they can get up over the wall. And, and the people in the city are just looking out through the windows like, what is going on? There's an entire army out there, and, 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 and the people in the city, they understand what this means, right? They understand that this means people are going to die, and they're going to burn stuff, and they're going to tear up our town. What, what is going on? But in the middle of all of the chaos, there is one woman. And we don't know her name. She's not prophetess. She's not a royalty. The, the Bible doesn't even mention her name. She's just a girl, maybe not much older than you girls are, who uses a little bit of common sense. And she yells out over the side of the wall to this busy army as they're preparing their siege on the city. She says, why are you doing this? What have we done? We're, we're a peaceful city. Why are you going to attack us? So Joab says, well, sheep is in there. We want him, and we're coming in to get him. And she's got to be thinking, what in the world, all of this for one man? And so she kind of composes herself, and she yells back over the wall. She says, just wait right there. She said, I'll go get him. And the next day, she throws Sheba's head over the wall without his body. And the war's over, just like that. 
And this girl used a little bit of common sense, and she saves an entire city. And church, as simple as it sounds, when you are searching for the will of God in your life, just use the good common sense that the Lord gave you. You do not have to have a divine booming voice from heaven to know that God wants you to be truthful, and he wants you to be kind, and he wants you to be faithful to church. We, we don't need reminders every day to live a basic Christian lifestyle. Do we know that God wants us to read our Bible? Of course we do. So take some time to read it, even if you don't understand everything that it's saying. If you're new to church, if this is new to you and you're just starting your journey, I know when you start reading your Bible, it's like Greek or something, you know, but just keep reading it. Just take the time and keep reading it. We know that God wants us to spend time in prayer. So take some time away from YouTube and Netflix or soccer practice or whatever it is you're doing and take some time and talk to him. You know, he loves to hear the sound of your voice. Do we understand that God thinks we look great just the way he made us? Then we don't need to look at Hollywood and and wake up every day and wonder what the world is wearing today or what they expect me to look like. We don't have to do all of that. We just need to use the good common sense that the Lord gave us and get up and look like Christians. And then he's going to look down and say, "Woo, that boy looks like me today. The Lord is going to say, oh, I'm proud of her. She is listening to music that she's supposed to be listening to. She's using the common sense that I gave her. That family's watching things that they don't have to be ashamed of. Common sense will tell us that God will wait on you to do, to do what you already know you're supposed to be doing before he takes you to the next level. Amen? God gave us common sense, heroes, and he expects us to use it. You might be a hero, this is point number three, if you get scared sometimes. Anybody ever been scared? I have. You're not alone. I read a story about a man who couldn't sleep because he was convinced there was somebody under his bed. And the fear was terrible. It kept him up at night. He couldn't, he couldn't sleep. And so he went to the doctor and he tried all sorts of tablets and, and pills, but nothing worked. He even went to a psychiatrist to help him get some sleep, but again it failed. One night a complete stranger overheard his problem and he gave him the perfect solution. He said, why don't you cut the legs off of your bed? <laughs> Problem solved. But fear is something that we have all experienced at some point in our lives. From the youngest to the oldest, we've all been afraid. Most people experience it in mild forms, but some people have extreme phobias. Anybody got any phobias? You don't have to tell me what they are. Like, I hate snakes. There was a snake in the flower bed when we first moved into our house 14 years ago, and I won't even hardly go in it anymore because I hate them. I hate them. My husband catches them, but I hate them. When I was teaching public school, the lady that was in the, the uh, room next to me was deathly afraid of frogs. Do you know what first grade boys can do when they find out their teacher is afraid of frogs? <laughs> By the way, does anybody know what the irrational fear of Santa Claus is? Claustrophobia. I don't know. That was a dad joke. I don't know. <laughs> a few years ago, there was this girl named Mary. You may have heard of her. She lived in a city called Nazareth, and she received this surprise visit, visit from an angel. 
Now, this angel didn't just come to pat her on the back and tell her she was doing a good job serving the Lord. But he came to tell her something much more important than that. Something much more scary than that. He came to tell her that she was about to experience the biggest plot twist in her life. The most important job that any human being has ever done in the history of time before or since. You, Mary, have been chosen to be the mother of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. You, young Mary, this baby, are all of the hopes and the dreams and salvation for all of mankind. And you know what, guys? Mary was afraid. We know that she was scared to death because when she gets there, the angel takes one look at her and says, Mary, don't be afraid. Now, I've never had a visit from an angel, but I would want to hear that. I'm a good angel. I'm not the, you know, the one that's going to take you home. I'm a good angel. But Mary was just about 14 or 15 years old, the same age as some of you probably are right now, too. And she was making plans to marry Joseph. And she was thinking about the perfect dress and maybe who her bridesmaids were going to be and and wondering if the house that Joseph built her was going to be two stories or one story, all of those things. And when that angel told her what was about to happen, Mary, the super shero, was gripped with fear. Did you know that the phrase, do not be afraid, is found in Scripture over and over? In fact, the Bible records some form of it 365 times. Pretty cool, right? One for every day of the year. It is one of the most reiterated phrases in your Bible, and I think that's because God knew how likely we would be to be scared when we meet something that we don't understand or that when we come in contact with something that we cannot control. Whether it's an angel, whether it's a sickness, whether it's standing up for something that you believe in, even when it means you're going to be unpopular, that's scary. Maybe you're afraid to witness. Maybe you're afraid afraid to invite that friend to church. Maybe it scares you to be different in a world that can be unkind or different. I heard somebody say one time, if the world can't tell you're a Christian, then something's wrong. You're doing it wrong. We're different, and that's okay. You're in good company tonight. All of the heroes and the sheroes from past to present have experienced fear in their lives. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as you have the antidote to fear, which is the knowledge that God is always with you, that God is always powerful, and he promises to go with us and help us when he asks us to do scary things. And if you have purposed in your heart to live for the Lord, I promise you this. He is going to ask you to do some scary things. Go ahead and take that step. All the heroes do it. Isaiah 41 and 10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And after Mary receives her heavenly visitor, she takes a minute to gather herself together, and she hears the angel say to her, he says, there is nothing impossible with God. And Mary says, you know what? You're right. I am the Lord's servant. May it be as you have said. In other words, what she is saying is, I may not understand it. This might make a lick lick of sense to me. People are going to laugh at me. They're going to talk at me. My own family 
may not even stand by me when all of this comes out. But I serve a God who can lead me through anything, who is not the God of fear. And that is what Mary decided when she said those famous words, let it be, Lord. That's what David said when he stepped out onto the battlefield and he killed the giants. Three Hebrew boys did not bow before a godless king. When Esther walked boldly into the throne room and saved her people, when Daniel slept in the lion's den, every single one of these heroes of the faith squared their shoulders, and in spite of their fear, they were able to do the impossible with the Lord beside them. We are his children, church. Even though you may be afraid at times, just keep following him, and he will lead you through any situation. Our God can do everything. Look at your neighbor and say, I might be scared, but I ain't no chicken. All right. That was number three. You ready for number four? You might be a hero of the faith that everybody's going to talk about someday if you have short-term memory loss. My granddad used to tell a story about an old farmer who had this amazing dog who actually saved their entire family from a house fire. My granddad had lots of stories. It was this unbelievable story about a heroic dog that woke the family up out of a dead sleep so they could escape from this fire. Then the dog actually jumped out of the second story window, dragging the toddler behind him and landed in a soft bale of hay. And the baby wasn't even injured. That's a, that's a cool story, right? And so this reporter comes out from the local newspaper, and he comes to the house to do a report on this incredible story. And the reporter says, well, sir, that's the, that's the coolest story. What was the dog's name? Oh, and he said, oh, I can't remember that dog's name, the farmer said. You know, I just have the hardest time. Wait, wait, it's coming to me. It's coming to me. He said, it's a flower. You know, they have long stems. They have a thorns. A rose, said the reporter. That's it, said the farmer. Then he turned to his wife and he yelled, Hey, Rose, what's that dog's name? <laughs> the mind is a funny thing. Sometimes important things that we need to remember, we just can't find them. No matter how hard we think and we try to remember, I hope you remember your wife's name, but no matter how hard you, you try to think of things, they just don't show up. Kids, have you ever been in school and you're taking a test and, like, you know you know the answer to that test and you studied it and you can even see it on the paragraph where you read it, but you just can't think of it, right? It's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. Your brain is this complex system that God made and it's smarter than any computer or any program that we could ever invent, yet it can be so unruly at times. It just doesn't cooperate. But hear me. As frustrating and irritating as it is not to be able to remember something that you need to remember, it is much, much worse not to be able to forget something that you need to forget. Life has this funny way of getting messy. We face hurts. My husband shared some of his tonight. People disappoint us. Sometimes it's the people that we love the very most that cause us to stumble and fall. And it's really hard to get that out of our minds. 
Sometimes we're put in bad situations and it was absolutely not our fault. It was brought on by somebody else and unfortunately those things get etched into our memories as well. Other times, there's nobody else in the world we can blame for our problems except for ourselves and the own dumb mistakes that we have made. Because we all make bad decisions sometimes. And we all have to choose to forget these bad circumstances and these bad decisions sometimes. Now, I know what you're thinking. Sister Wisdom, I cannot imagine a superhero, uh, Wonder Woman or Superman, carrying around all of this baggage, making all of these stupid mistakes. And there's no way they could fly and, 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 and fight the enemy with all of these things weighing them down. But it happens. Jesus' feet were dirty that day that Simon invited him to dinner. He had been walking through the dusty treat streets that were littered with trash and sewage. And when he entered Simon's house, nobody gave him water to wash his tired feet. No doubt he was exhausted. No doubt his feet were sore from his journey. The crowd that was gathered there that day was an elite group. They were people who knew the scriptures. They were people who seemed to have it all together. They were people who on the outside had their lives all figured out. And as they began to eat their meal, an uninvited woman quietly entered into the house and she made her way to Jesus. It was hard for her to see because her eyes were filled with tears and she was afraid to make eye contact with anybody because the shame that she felt from all of those mistakes that she had made in her life and as the people began to notice this woman who was a known sinner in the town make her way through the crowd, they began to whisper about how she had no business being where Jesus was. And perhaps maybe as she made her way, they tugged at her robe and they tried to pull her back. But she fell at his feet somehow and she began to cry. And the fountains of tears began to fall and she washed his feet with her tears. And the Bible says she dried them with her hair. He dried, she dried his dirty, precious feet with her own hair. And as judgmental eyes stared in disbelief, this sinner woman took out an alabaster box filled with precious oil, and she anointed the head of her Savior. And this sinner woman was able to forget just for a little bit that she had no business being there. She forgot for just a little while that she had made so many mistakes. The whole town knew she was a sinner. She forgot just long enough to get to Jesus Christ, and he was able to cleanse her and to forgive her from a lifetime of wrong. And all of the important and smart and elite people that Jesus encountered in his life, all of them on earth, he said it was her story that he was going to tell everywhere that the gospel was preached. Her story, a known sinner who was able to forget for just a little while. A woman who decided that she was going to forgive herself long enough to get into the presence of the one who could help her. Her story, because hers was a story of undeserved forgiveness and undeserved grace. I would say that God Almighty saying she had the number one best-selling story makes her a superhero. 
The Bible says that when we repent of our sins, that the Lord casts them into the sea of forgetfulness. Now, that doesn't mean that God can't remember our mistakes. God's brain doesn't forget things like mine does. He doesn't just like, oh, where did that go? I don't know. But God chooses to let them go and never bring them up again. And church, this is not an easy one. I know it sounds easy when I'm saying it here. Sometimes this is something that we have to practice every single day. But however many times you have to forgive yourself and get in the presence of the Lord, do it that many times. Many of you can testify that the load of guilt and shame is a heavy one to carry. And you cannot be a superhero if you cannot learn to lay them down and move on. God knew the lady at the alabaster box was, with the alabaster box was broken. He knew she was sinful, and he knew that she was wounded. And you know what? He was so glad to see her. Just like he's always glad to welcome each of you when you lay all of that down at his feet. So number four today I submit to you is you might get to superhero status if you can learn to be forgetful. Number five and finally is be a dreamer. Superheroes, heroes of the faith are dreamers. If you are daring and able to dream big, there is no telling what God can do in your life. It is, it is literally, in a real way, limitless what God can do. If you can dream it, God can do it. The problem we have is sometimes we get afraid or we get nervous to speak those dreams out because we're afraid to fall, we're afraid to fail, we're afraid that if I speak these big dreams into existence, then I'll be embarrassed if it doesn't go the way that I want it to go. But let me tell you this. Your big dreams, aspirations, ideas, hopes do not scare our God. Right. He is not afraid to hear those big dreams or ideas or ambitions and desires. You know why? Because he is the one that gave you those. Your greatness comes from him. This is something I struggled with. We believe the Bible and we say the God that we serve is this great, big, powerful God. The scripture declares that he has all power in heaven and earth. That he spoke this world, this universe into existence simply by speaking words. And I have access to him. The scripture says that whatever I ask, believing in faith, I shall receive. That where two or three are gathered together in prayer that we can receive anything and everything. It's like a blank check from the master of the universe. And my prayer sometimes is, God, help me have a good day. Like, that's it? Dream big. God is saying, I can do all things. There is nothing impossible for me. Thomas Edison said, if we did all the things that we were capable of doing, we would literally astound ourselves. And he's not even talking about being filled with the Spirit of God. But listen, don't ever let your, let your desires and your dreams and, and your, your ambitions, don't you ever feel that those are, are, are not good or they're too big or they're too far out there because that will hinder your walk with God. His word tells us that he knows the plans 
that he has for us. He already knows. He's waiting for you guys to catch up. He's waiting for us to catch up. He knows the plans. He knows the dreams and the hopes and the aspirations that he has put in our heart. Dreaming is the first step. You can dream all you want, but at some point, you've got to quit hitting the snooze button and get out of bed and get to work. <laughs> oh, I have a dream. I'm going to win every kid in my school. I mean, I'm never going to invite them to church. I'm never going to talk about Scripture. I'm never going to pray with them. I'm never going to share the truth with them. But i got a dream. Well, that's great. And you and that dream are going to go to the cemetery. Dreams require work. Yes, we want to see this community blessed. Yes, we want to see God do great things. Yes, we want to see uh, uh, God do a miraculous thing. We have dreams and hopes and aspirations, but those dreams will just stay dreams unless we put forth the effort to make it happen. And the good news is the same God that gave you those dreams is the same God that's going to see those dreams come to completion. You know what the scripture says? He's the author and the finisher of my faith. The author is the originator or the creator. So not only is he the originator of those dreams and hopes and aspirations, but the scripture says he's also the finisher. He's there when the gun goes off and you take off from the starting line, but he's also there at the finish line cheering you on, encouraging you to keep going. So he gave it to you and he's going to be with you all the way to the end. good news is this God desires for these dreams to come to pass as much as we do. He wants to see you in the heroes of faith even more than we want to see ourselves. Don't be afraid to go that extra mile to see those dreams fulfilled. It may take some energy. It may take some effort. But I promise you this, there's never a traffic jam on that extra mile. It's never crowded. Not many people go there. A lot of people have dreams. A lot of people have ideas. A lot of people have aspirations and ambitions. But you know the people that get it done are the ones that roll up their sleeves and say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out by faith. We give Simon Peter a hard time for walking on water and seeing waves and getting worried and sinking. And Jesus had to rescue him. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a big guy. I'm not real, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a little athletic, but I'm not, I'm not a good, that great of a swimmer. I can swim, but it, I, I, like my wife, she's just like, she's just like, uh, like a little fish. She's just real fluid. I, I kind of struggle a little bit. You know, I, I'm, I'm okay. I'm not going to drown, but I'm just kind of, and so we were looking at sea turtles one time, and, and I was swimming, around, and the, the people in the bay, they were looking at my wife. like, is your husband okay? She's like, oh, he'll be all right. But that's Simon Peter, he was like struggling a little bit. And Jesus had to save him. He had to reach down and pull him out of the water. Bring him back on the boat. He's soaking wet. But you know what? He could look at those other 11 guys and say, hey, I might be soaking wet. I might be a little embarrassed. Uh, might be a little, my pride might be a little hurt. But you know what? I walked on water. None of you guys did that. You stayed in the comfort of the boat. And so every time I read someone doing something great for God, there is an element of risk. Yeah. 
there's an element. Jesus said, you know, we, we, we don't know what tomorrow may bring. You read that in the scripture? We do not know what tomorrow will bring. Sometimes we read that as worry or fear. Man, we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Maybe a bad phone call or a terrible text. But read that in, hey, I don't know what tomorrow may bring. My neighbor may get baptized. My coworker may receive the Holy Ghost. My mom or my brother may get healed. I don't know what tomorrow will bring. We need to start seeing that as a dreamer and not always as a, I'm worried about this or I'm afraid of that. Even when it doesn't make sense. Even when you feel like you are not qualified. Even though you feel like, man, I'm not a licensed minister. I'm not a preacher. I'm not this. I'm not that. Stop disqualifying yourself. God is looking for some dreamers to see some dreams come to pass. Will you stand with me? We're going to pray a prayer over you. You bow your heads with me. Close your eyes. Lord, you have given us these tools to make good choices to use that common sense that you have given us. Help us that we have been taught and, and we read in Scripture to always do the right thing, even when no one else is around and no one notices it. And Lord, when we're scared of the circumstances in this life, Lord, you are holding us. God, you are holding us close and protecting us. Lord, you have given us permission to lay our hurts and our mistakes and our failures at your feet. And so, Lord, I pray tonight that we learn not just to forgive others, but ourselves. And no matter what the heartaches of this world brings into our lives, Lord, help us to remember that even though the mountains are shaken and even though the hills are removed, your unfailing love for us will not be shaken. Help us to forget the things we need to forget so we can move forward. Let us be, Lord, as the Apostle Paul says, I am forgetting those things which are behind me and I am stretching forth and reaching for those things which are before. Lord, I pray that you can trust us with our biggest of the dreams. Give us the courage and the faith and the desire, God, to reach those dreams and see them realized. Lord, we stand here tonight with open hearts and sensitive spirits believing that you can make us into the heroes that you have called us to be. Lord, we understand it won't happen by any strength that we have on our own, but it's only by your power, God, that you are exceedingly, abundantly, can do all the things above what we can think, ask, or imagine. Oh, in Jesus' name right now. God, I pray for every young person, every man, every woman, every child in this building today. God, I am looking at some heroes of the faith. God, I am looking that if we were to rewrite Hebrews 11, we're going to see some elders' names written in that book. We're going to see some young people's names written in that book. By faith, they went to school and they were a light. By faith, they witnessed to their coworkers. By faith, they saw miracles come to pass. By faith, they raised their family in the fear of the Lord. By faith, they went boldly and proclaimed the word of God. Lord, I pray tonight that you help us to understand that we can reach into that calling and that ministry and those dreams that you have planted in our heart. God, to push aside fear. God, to stop listening to the voices of this world and reach forward, oh God. 
Oh, hallelujah. Right now, just right where you're at, could you just begin to pray? Just have a conversation with God right now. God, uh, maybe you've never shared that dream with anybody else. Uh, maybe you've been quiet. Maybe you held it to yourself. Uh, and maybe this is just a private time between you and God. But you need to pray right now. God, uh, let it come to pass. Uh, God, if it's a ministry, let it grow. Uh, God, if it's a calling, let it grow. Uh, God, if it's something you've planted in my heart, uh, God, I pray right now, perfect love, uh, cast out fear. You've not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, God. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.